So have you ever jumped to the wrong conclusion? Ever jumped to the wrong conclusion? There was a specialist, she evaluated the cognitive development of young children and one of the things that she did as part of her evaluations was she would give kids idioms and have them interpret what they thought the idiom was. One day she was giving an idiom to a little girl and the idiom that she gave was this one, strike while the iron is hot. It's a blacksmith term, but, but as an idiom it's usually used as, hey, here's the, here's the opportunity, here's the chance, you know, do it now. So the little girl kind of scrunched up her face for a minute and was thinking and she finally said, I think it means hit people while you're still mad at them. It's close, but, but it's the wrong conclusion. Another little girl was in her mom's office and she was looking at this big, huge calculator on the desk. It was one of those, you know, printing calculators that, that have all the buttons and makes all the noises and has the roll of paper and prints all the numbers and and so the little girl looked up at her mommy, and she said, Mommy, is, is this how you make money? And her mom said, Yes, I'm, I'm a CPA. That's, that's how I make money. The little girl said, oh, Okay, Mommy. And then she started punching all the buttons, and it was making all the noise, and the paper was rolling, and it was printing the numbers. And she looked up at her mom, and she said, Mommy, I just made us some more money. <laughs> Close, but, but wrong conclusion. Little boy sat back after dinner one night, and he said, Oh, Mom, I'm... I'm full. And she said, okay, then, then no dessert for you. And he said, well, you know, actually my food stomach is full, but, but my dessert stomach is still hungry. See, that, that mom, she jumped to the wrong conclusion. She forgot about the dessert stomach. And you can't forget about the dessert stomach because, you know, some people just get mean if they don't get dessert, right? Listen, we all jump to conclusions, all of us. We jump to conclusions at people in our house. We jump to conclusions at people in the state house. We jump to conclusions at people in the White House. We jump to conclusions with people who won't leave their house. We jump to conclusions with people who won't stay at their house. We jump to conclusions at people at the Waffle House that don't wear masks, and we jump to conclusions with people at the Waffle House that do wear masks. We, we jump conclusions. In fact, a lot of people right now, the only exercise they are getting is opening social media and jumping to conclusions. There's a guy this week, he, he went for an x-ray, and I was reading about this, and his x-ray showed that he had a fracture in his leg from jumping to conclusions. Yeah, I got these dad jokes all day. I can keep these things rolling. You know. What if I were to tell you that there is a conclusion that you need to jump to. That one of the best things you could possibly do in your life is to jump to a conclusion. Now, notice the, the language here. Jump to a conclusion. There is a specific, unique conclusion that you need to jump to. One that, that is historical and it's practical and it's spiritual and it's emotional. It is, it is a reality and, and you need to jump to it. So what is it? What is this one thing that we need to jump to? Well, Jesus was sharing some of his last words on earth. He was talking his disciples to his closest friends and he was giving them their, their commission, so to speak. He was giving them 
the most important thing that they needed to do for the rest of their life. College graduates, high school graduates, you're in a similar position today. You're in this moment where, where our society kind of says to you, hey, you got to have it all figured out. You've you got to know what you're going to do right now for the rest of your life. But if I could just graciously take some pressure off of you and just say this, if you can get this, if you can get this, this thing that Jesus said, if you get this, you will have everything that you will need for the rest of your life, no matter what you do and when you do it. This one thing is that big. So, what did Jesus say? Let's find out. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And lo. That's what Jesus said. And lo. Boom. That's it. All you need to know. One word, two letters. Lo. What is lo? Well, it's not short for lobot. It's an actual word all on its own. And lo very simply means take note. Pay attention. Get this. Tattoo this on your brain. This is something you need to dial into. You may have heard another idiom, famous last words. It's the idea that, that maybe you might say something a little too soon and, and not long after it will be found out that what you said was, was not really how things turned out. But there's also famous last words, right? The, the things that have been noted and reported that people actually said just before they died. Well, these weren't famous last words from Jesus because he wasn't dying. He had already done that. Jesus was arrested about 2 o'clock in the morning on a Friday. By 9 o'clock in the morning, he was being crucified on a cross outside of Jerusalem. By that afternoon, he was dead. His dead body was, was carried to a tomb owned by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. On the third day, though, that tomb was empty because Jesus had risen from the grave. He was no longer dead. He is risen indeed, and he is still alive today. So because Jesus is the only one ever to die, come back to life, and never die again, that makes these non-dying, quote-unquote famous last words, so to speak, super gigantically important. Gary Bolding is an artist from El Dorado, Arkansas. He was a professor at Stetson University in Florida from 1989 to 2017. He was asked to be the commencement speaker at the 1998 uh, graduation of Emory University. And in his speech, he said this. Your families are extremely proud of you. You can't imagine the sense of relief they are experiencing. This would be a most opportune time to ask for money. <laughs> That's probably some good advice right there, right? Probably a really good time to, to get on their good side because they're all about you right now. Well, Jesus was not giving a commencement address. Jesus was not trying to encourage his disciples after they graduated with their master's degrees. No, Jesus is the baby in the manger. 
that grew to be the man that healed the sick and made the blind to see and the lame to walk. He is the Savior that died for the sins of the world. He is the Son of God that rose from the grave. He is the King of kings who ascended and now sits at the right hand of God. So when He speaks, we should listen. When Jesus says, lo, we should pay attention. We should know what it means. So, what did He tell His friends? Listen to the rest, verse 20. And lo, I am with you. Those aren't just words for his disciples. They aren't just words for his friends. If you are a Christian, if you're a true follower of Jesus, those are words for you. So don't miss them. Jesus is with you. He is with you. The baby that was born in a manger that grew to be a man who healed the sick and made the blind to see and the lame to walk. The Savior who died for the sins of the world. The Son of God that rose from the grave. The King of kings that ascended into heaven and is now sitting at the right hand of God. He is with you. Jesus is with you. Just marinate on that for a moment. This might be a good time to to just kind of ask your heart that question, is Jesus with you? Is Jesus with you? Are things right between you and God? Have you truly repented of your sin? Meaning, not that you feel bad every now and then about doing the wrong thing, but are you appalled with your sin? Are you so appalled that you have turned away? So appalled that that you're not okay with your sin anymore and and you've turned to Jesus. And beyond repentance, do you have faith in Christ? Do you believe there is no other alternative? When it comes to salvation, you don't have another shot at this. That your good deeds or your religion will not make things right between you and God. William Sarian was an American writer who won the Pulitzer Prize in 1940 and the Academy Award in 1944. It is said that on his deathbed, he said this, 39 years ago this month is when he died, and this is what it's reported he said. Everybody has got to die, but I've always believed an exception would be made in my case. What now? When it comes to death, there are no exceptions. When it comes to standing before God, there are no exceptions. So, is Jesus with you? If he is, there are also no exceptions. No power of hell and and no scheme of man can ever pull you, pluck you, drag you away from the hands of God. You are safe with Jesus. He is with you. Now that is biblically accurate. It it sounds spiritually comforting, but how? How is is Jesus with a Christian? I mean, Jesus died. He, 
He rose from the grave. He ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of God. So how can he be with us? How is Jesus with us? Well, I can't give you a metaphysical explanation. All I can do is give you and repeat to you the promise from Jesus that he said he would be with every believer. It's mind-boggling. I I can't keep my, my mind around it. But Jesus said it's true. And his resurrection, his ascension, all point to him being trustworthy. Vernon Hoggard is one of the dearest friends I've ever had. He died 17 years ago at the age of 65. I met Vernon at the first church I pastored in Allander, North Carolina. And, and we probably did something together or saw each other every day for about three years. Two or three times a month, I had to drive about an hour from where we were to Greenville, North Carolina to go to the Pitt County Hospital. Uh, the closest Walmart was about 20 minutes away. Our, our town had about 800 people in it. Closest Target was an hour away, and it was in Greenville. And so I had to go to the hospital two or three times a month to visit folks, and, and so Vernon would often go with me. And since we were going to be up there for a while and it was so far away, we'd, we'd take a little extra time and we'd go get a hot dog or a hamburger or a sandwich or something, and then we'd tool around and we might go to Lowe's or Home Depot or, or Target or, or somewhere like that. And all of that time, every time, Vernon never bought anything, <laughs> like ever. And I never came out of a store without a pack of gum or a Yoo-Hoo or something. I mean, I always got something. Over the course of three years, every time we shopped, I can only remember one time that Vernon ever bought anything, and it was from Sam's. He bought like a quart of chicken salad because he thought it was a good deal. Vernon owned the, the only grocery store there in town, or at least one of, one of two small grocery stores, and he owned it, I think, for more than 30 years. So he knew a lot about food and, and selling food. So he got this chicken salad. He said, hey, man, this is going to be great. So that night, I called him. I said, hey, man, how's your chicken salad? And in his beautiful, noble, eastern North Carolina drawl, he said, it was terrible. He, he says it a lot like Charles Barkley. I didn't realize that until this week, but he just said it was terrible. I mean, just awful. You know, after all these years, I have finally learned how to go in a store and not buy something. And so every time I walk out of the store, at least almost every time, when I walk out of the store empty-handed, knowing I didn't buy anything, I usually think of Vernon. There's probably not a week that goes by that some experience with him or something that I learned from him does not pop up in my mind. Vernon's wisdom, his friendship, those experiences, they're, they're with me all the time. In a sense, we could say the same about Jesus. The truth of what Jesus preached, what he taught, what he prayed, what he lived out, everything about the person and the life of Jesus, that truth is with us. We, we carry it around with us. We, we pull on it. We lean on it. It comes to our minds and our hearts. But Jesus did not say it was just his truth that would be with us. He said he would be with us. He would be with us. And the next word he uses adds a huge exclamation point to that. Verse 20. And lo, I am with you always. Always. No break in the action. Every second of every day. Every situation of life. 
Jesus is with you if you don't get the sing-along Care Bear for Christmas. Jesus is with you if the girl you liked in fifth grade doesn't like you back. Jesus is with you if your high school graduation ceremony is live stream only. Jesus is with you always if you don't get into the college that you wanted to get into. Jesus is with you always if you get kicked out of the college that you got into. Jesus is with you when your brand new car gets scratched at the mall. Jesus is with you if you don't get the promotion. Jesus is with you if you lose your job. Jesus is with you when your toddler seems impossible. Jesus is with you when your teenager seems impossible. Jesus is with you when your spouse seems impossible. Jesus is with you when health issues press down upon your body or they press upon someone that you love. Jesus is with you when a pandemic hits your country and waves of anger and fear and frustration and aggravation and criticism and conspiracizing, that's not a word, but I made it up. If any of those things are in your mind and heart right now, we are being overwhelmed with those kinds of things. And yet in the middle of all of that, Jesus says, I'm with you always. Always. I think sometimes as soon as we hear some information, we start thinking, man, this is always. Because it just happened. So this is how it's always going to be. But in his kindness, some of his last words to his closest friends, Jesus was trying to draw them away from their definition of always and help them see his. See, no matter what is happening in your life today, no matter what happens in your life later today, no matter what happens in your life tomorrow, two weeks from now, ten months from now, if you're a believer, Jesus is always with you. That means that in that moment that you're about to lose it, it's okay to pull over on the side of the road somewhere safe and just kind of gently scream to your soul, Lo, he is with me always. That means that when you're standing in that hospital room, it's okay for you to step out in the hallway and walk down to the other end and kind of gently scream to your soul, Lo, he is with me always. This is the promise that Jesus gives. So how is that possible? Well, Jesus gave the answer to that question the night before he was crucified. Don't, don't miss that timeline here. Before Jesus was crucified, he gave the answer for how it was possible for him to always be with us. This is what he said, John chapter 14, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. At just the right moment in history, Jesus was born. At just the right moment in history, Jesus began his ministry. At just the right moment in history, Jesus was arrested. At just the right moment in history, Jesus was crucified. At just the right moment in history, Jesus was resurrected. At just the right moment in history, Jesus left. At just the right moment. But Jesus did not leave us hanging. 
He made sure that the Holy Spirit would be sent to us. The Holy Spirit is the the third person of what we call the Trinity, God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a helper just like Jesus was a helper. The Holy Spirit helps people get rescued. The Holy Spirit helps people come to God. The Holy Spirit, once he comes, and once he brings a person to God, the Holy Spirit stays. He stays. For how long? Well, just a few seconds earlier when Jesus was talking to his disciples that night, he said the Holy Spirit would be with them forever. Forever. I mean, talk about a cure for loneliness. The Holy Spirit of God with you forever. In the Old Testament, the primary source of help was God. At the beginning of the New Testament, the primary source of help was Jesus. But we live in this time where the primary source of help is the Holy Spirit. That means that no matter where we are, we have the Holy Spirit. I don't have to go back in history to have help from God because I was living with the Israelites. I don't have to go back in history and and have to be sitting next to Jesus somewhere in the Middle East to have help from God. Today, no matter who I am, no matter where I go, no matter what happens in my life, I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. That is an amazing truth, an amazing reality. In the Old Testament, the picture of the Holy Spirit was that the Holy Spirit would kind of come and go. But in the New Testament, the picture of the Holy Spirit is that he comes and stays. He's permanent. He's not temporary. On June 29th, 2003, I lost my access to my friend Vernon. He went to be with the Lord. But I have never lost access to Jesus. It is impossible for me to lose access to the Trinity. It's impossible because for me, Jesus, when he says he's with me, that can't be canceled out because I cannot be disconnected from the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus did all the math for his friends before he even went to the cross. Eventually they were going to hear, hey, I'm with you always. But he gave them the math beforehand. Here's how this works. I can be with you always because you cannot be disconnected from me. How does all that work? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I can't explain it to you in in human terms. Jesus was speaking with a church leader one night named Nicodemus, and this is what he said to him. John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I love how Billy Graham reflects on this passage. He says it in this sentence. I can't see the wind, but I can see the effects of the wind. I've seen the effects of the Holy Spirit in my life. I've seen the effects of the Holy Spirit in the lives of other people. And because of the birth and life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, and because I have seen the effects of the Holy Spirit, I have this unbelievable, unique, divinely created and inspired confidence that Jesus is with me and that I cannot be connected, disconnected from him. But for how long? Well, he said always, but is is that long enough? Listen to what he says last. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end 
of the age. You know, news reports and social media seem to be mutating right now with all kinds of things that we are losing. And listen, let's be clear. There are social and economic and, and health issues that desperately need attention. Yeah. Are there political and legislative and, and electoral issues that strategically need attention? No doubt. But when I breathe my last... I will not be looking for the hand of the president or the governor or my senator. I won't be looking for the hand of my pastor. I won't be looking for the hand of my favorite band or my favorite athlete or my favorite celebrity. I won't be looking for the hand of my best friend. I won't be looking for the hand of my wife. I won't be looking for the hand of my kids. Because none of those people are able to be with me always, and none of those people can take me from life to death to life again forever. That can only be done by the one who is saying to me right now while I'm talking to you that he is with me. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. 142 years ago, long before anything that was happening around our life right now was happening, J.C. Ryle wrote these words. See if you can make any connections. Give a man a sensible interest in Christ, and he will be happy in spite of abounding public calamities. What does that mean? He tells us, The government of his country may be thrown into confusion. Rebellion and disorder may turn everything upside down. Laws may be trampled underfoot. Justice and equity may be outraged. Liberty may be cast down to the ground. Might may prevail over right, but still his heart will not fail. Why? How? How could a person's heart not fail? How could a person not lose their mind at the latest conspiracy theory when they see it on social media? How can a person not lose their mind when they're afraid of losing their job? How can a person not lose their mind when they're afraid of catching a virus? How can a person not lose their mind even when everything is falling apart around them? How? J.C. Ryle tells us, he will remember that the kingdom of Christ will one day be set up. In other words, in that moment, that man, that woman, will pull over on the side of the road or step out into the hall and they will scream to their soul, Lo, He is with me always. Blessed and happy and fortunate is the college graduate or the high school graduate that can look before graduation or after graduation and say, lo, he is with me always. Blessed and happy and fortunate is the person who's hoping to graduate from being socially distanced. If they say, lo, he is with me always. No matter what happens to us at any moment in time, we can always look to the reality that Jesus is setting his kingdom up again.
So, Jesus was concluding his time on earth. And his conclusion was to tell his friends, hey, I will be with you always, and nothing can change that. And no one can change that. So that's the conclusion that we need to jump to. No matter what's happening in our life, no matter what's happening in the world, we need to keep jumping to that conclusion. Lo, he is with me always. I was reading this week about King King Victor Emmanuel III of Italy. He reigned in Italy from 1900 to 1946. The story's told that, that he once had his driver take him and his car into battle with his troops. The battle got pretty fierce. A ranking lieutenant was gunned down and was in great need. He called out to a soldier that was nearby. He could feel the breath of death. And he took some keepsakes from his pockets and, and he gave them to the soldier and he said, please be sure these find my family. And he told the soldier, you need to run for your life right now. But the soldier didn't. The soldier bent down and he, he tried to carry the lieutenant to safety. The other soldiers around were like, look, he's, he's gone. Just go save yourself. You can't do anything for him. But he continued to try to carry the lieutenant to safety. And as he struggled and, and the, the battle went on around him, suddenly everybody around could hear the honking of a car horn off in the distance. And they realized that, that the king was retreating. And that man, he, he quit struggling to carry the lieutenant. He, he laid him down and he fell down on his knees. And he said, what am I to do? Even the king has left. And in that moment, he felt a hand on his shoulder. He looked up, and it was King Emmanuel. He said, son, the car has gone, but the king is still with you. Graduates, whether you are high school or, or college, whether you, again, are somebody sitting at home hoping to graduate from social distancing real soon, no matter where you are, no matter what's happening in your life, I plead with you to jump to this conclusion. If you are in Christ, then no matter what happens to you, the King of kings will always be near. Lo, 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 he is with you always, always.